0: So inadequate, so inadequate when it comes to thanking those that have served our country, whether during times of war or times of peace. It seems inadequate to thank those that have given a portion of their life to protect us. Only a small percent of those in the United States are veterans. Veterans. If I remember correctly, a statistic I saw is that there's only about 7% that have been making this a safe place for you and me. This goes all the way back to the revolution. In each and every battle, those at home, you know they suffered. They never knew if that next phone call was one saying that their loved one had given their all for the country. I've heard the horrors of those that went to the front door and they saw the chaplain that was there to tell them that their loved one, maybe a son, maybe a husband, maybe a father, had given their life for this country. So how do we say thank you? How do we say thank you? In preparing for today, I saw a page in which it was trying to say how you say thank you for your service, that it should be more than that, and yet that comes from the heart. It's from the heart that we say thank you for your service, thank you for your time, thank you for putting your life on hold so that we can have these freedoms, So we can gather in here today. But it doesn't seem like enough. It doesn't seem like enough. Some reason or another, I have been thinking about people that have been influential in my life. So many teachers. So many coaches. And how do you say thank you for what they gave you? For you can't touch it You can't wrap your arms around it, but where would we be without those that have served? Served here and served overseas. Bill just told me that there was four in the community from World War II that were at the ceremonies, four. Yes, we're all getting older. And those of you that are smiling, someday you will be standing here and you'll say, I remember that old gray-headed preacher. If you can only live this long and have the life of joy that I've had. Bill invited me one time to go to Wichita Falls as they honored the veterans From Iwo Jima. I have never been so touched in my life. Some people might want to be around rock stars. Some might want to be around politicians. I was honored to be with these men and women that gave so much. And so many died on the beaches. Something that was supposed to last three days lasted three months. And every once in a while, I could sit down with Bill and I might hear a story or two. You and I cannot even relate to what they had to go through. Their conditions, just to survive. Just to survive. Terry showed us a picture of those in the National Guards that were sleeping on the floor of a school. And then everybody chipped in and Got them air mattresses and cots. They were just inundated because people were so grateful. How about those that had to sleep in the mud night after night in combat? That didn't have dry boots for a month at a time. That every time they ate a meal, their mess kit had water in it. If they found a place that they could get into a pond or somewhere to maybe wash off a little bit, then there would be the the ticks, the the leeches that would be on them. Nothing's good about it. Nothing's good about it. And yet, they endured day after day. And I'm sure there were many times as I've read books, it was moment to moment when they were in combat. Not knowing if the next bullet was for them or not. Not knowing. I talked to one veteran that was talking about being in a foxhole. And a bullet hit his buddy right next to him. Just like that. His buddy was gone. He continued fighting. But he's always wondered, why was it his buddy... Why well, wondered him? Only he knows. Only he knows. The guy that told me that story, Zelvis Peck. God has blessed him, and he has blessed many people with his personal witness. He did not become a recluse. He wanted to tell people about Jesus Christ. And how awesome a God that he had. And yet he still struggled. You don't wipe something like that off, the, off your mind. It's not like a, a grease board. Some of you old people will remember chalkboards. They, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Us young people came along with grease boards. Uh, so it's not something that you just erase. You can't do that up here. You can't do it. And too many nights you wake up in the middle of the night screaming. I've been told by veterinarians, veterans, I'm glad you are listening this morning. I did that on purpose just to see. Jars, did I wake you up? Uh, But the veterans that came back from Vietnam, young men, just like, Gerald's just said, 20-year-olds, 19, 18, 21-year-olds. And they'd come home and they'd tell their mom and dad, if you hear me in my room screaming, yeah. They still lived with mom and dad. They were man enough, woman enough to go risk their life, but when they came home, your kids are always your kids. They came home and they'd say, do not come into my room. If you hear me screaming and yelling, do not come into my room. For that individual knew it's very likely that he would kill. He would kill anybody that walked through the door at that time. The nightmares, I'm sure we've all had nightmares. Wake up in the middle of the night, unsettled. <clears throat> but they don't compare it to what these people lived through, lived through. On Memorial Day, we'll remember those that gave their life in combat, and today, rightfully so, we recognize everybody that's ever served. Everybody was important whether they worked in the mess hall, whether they peeled potatoes, whether they were in the hospitals, if they're carrying gurneys, uh, if they're repairing the jeeps so they can be used the next day, if they're building jeeps in the United States so they can be sent over there because we did not have the war machinery during World War II. It all had to be cranked up and turned out. And as Americans, we did that. But it took everybody. That was the first time that women went to work in factories in such large numbers. So it took everybody. So we are all veterans. Today, we're veterans. Today, we are free to walk through those doors. And unfortunately, somebody else is free to come in with a gun. It's a rough place in time. Maybe in some cases it's even worse than it's ever been. Where Christians are persecuted in a way they've never been persecuted in their entire lives. Oh, we have a large percent that profess Jesus as their Lord. It's like 70% of the population. But look at those that are active Christians. And the numbers are much smaller. And one time in Europe, they had 70% of their population in church or cathedrals on Sunday. But now, maybe 35%. And when I get with other ministers here and elsewhere, they talk about the numbers. Because the numbers are not as great as it used to be. If you go back to 9-11, every church was filled for about two or three months. People were going to the Lord. But the further we got away from it, it's like we lost our appreciation. We are called, everybody in here, to be a soldier for God. We are all called to step up him and with him there are those that are intimidated from even mentioning God or Jesus at the workplace intimidated and yet those that are on the other side are the lower percent much smaller percentage that is taking their shots at the christian's There are laws that have been written to keep us separated from, say, schools. And yet, there's not a single law that can ever be passed that will keep an individual from praying. You cannot stop someone that's praying. So if you're in school as a teacher, as a nurse, as a student, nobody can stop you from praying. You may not step up and stand on your desk and do it. You might not go like when I grew up, there would be a prayer every morning before we started school. You may not be able to do that. But you can pray. You can pray. And I promise you, you need it. Whether you're aware of it or not, you need the strength that comes from prayer. You need that connection. You think that all of these military people are void of their faith in Jesus Christ? They're not all Christians, no. But most believe in a God. So when they're in those situations, there are prayers. It's like Elvis said, there were no atheists in foxholes. 20 below zero, your feet are frozen And so many of them had to have their feet, their toes, their fingers amputated because it was so cold. So there's no atheist in a foxhole. There is no atheist when it comes to standing up for Jesus Christ. At least there should not be. There should not be a single one of us that doesn't start our day out praying. And I know you get up early and you say, goodness, I overslept five minutes. I got to hurry up and take this shower. In Ron's case, he wants to get his makeup on before he leaves. So that takes a while. It takes a while. But while you're there, you can be praying. You can be praying for guidance and strength. And I ask you to pray for your opportunity to witness for Jesus Christ. Lord, let me witness to one person. Let one person see me doing an act of kindness for someone else. One person. Maybe it's that person in the office that their personal life had blown up that morning. Mom and dad were at each other. The kids were nervous. It was a bad day. So, I asked you to start each day. Each day with the prayers. There is strength in those prayers. And the older I get, the more I realize that strength. I do not take it just for granted. Things happen when people are committed to prayers. Please remember that you are a warrior. You are a warrior for Jesus Christ. You need to be strong. When the flesh is weak, you need to stay strong. You need to stand on what you know is right and wrong. You need to step up to the plate. And you've been in situations where no one else stood up for Jesus, but neither did you. Because you didn't want to be the odd person out. But that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Is step up for God. And when one person steps up for God, the second one, and then the third one, and then the fourth Many of you have seen the movie, God is not dead. One student had the courage to step up And eventually, a whole class was changed. They were intimidated by their professor that he was going to flunk them or make life so miserable they wished they had him. But one student, Woodlawn, the movie there, you have an evangelist coming to a football team and it's based on a true story, and he has the opportunity to talk to the students And finally, one student steps up. And that gave courage to the second one and the third one. The students, the team stepped up for Jesus Christ. You may be that one person. You may be that one person that steps up for Jesus Christ, and then you turn around and you find out there are others that followed your lead. But it took courage. Just like with our veterans, it took courage. You are veterans in the war for Christ. You are a veteran, and you will be called on again and again and again to step up for Jesus Christ. Are you prepared? Have you done your homework? Those that served in the military, they went through drill after drill after drill, getting ready, whether they were on a ship, whether they were on the ground, whether they were in the air. So many hours went into preparing them for battle. I'm asking you to prepare yourself for battle, prepare yourself to be a warrior for Jesus Christ. It's not them. And us, it's all of us together, all Christians together. It makes no difference if they're in assembly of God this morning, or the Methodist church, or the Baptist church. It makes no difference. We're all children of God. We just choose to worship in different ways. But we come together like this coming Sunday evening, and we all come into this house this year, and we worship God. We worship God because we all believe in the same God and the same Jesus Christ. And when we go to our knees, we are humbled because we're in His presence. His presence. This morning I had a chance to bring a young man with me. I met him yesterday, and Dwayne said that he had this pulling on his heart this morning that he needed to be in church, and he honored that feeling. When I get feelings like that, I have learned to listen to them. and it might just mean God put it on my heart to call Misty White. But I have never done such a thing that I regretted it. Never did I regret it. But there were those times that I didn't listen to my heart that I did regret it. So if God puts it on your heart, follow your heart. Follow Him. You know the difference. You know if it's the temptations of the world or if it's God's talking to you. Just like in the Word, it says for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. For me and my family. You need to make that decision. And not flippantly, but with your whole heart. Not flippantly like, well, today... I think I'll go on a diet. Go with your whole heart that you're going to follow Jesus Christ. For He is your Lord and He is your Savior. Following Him. It's not always easy. Certainly not always popular. But following Jesus Christ is the path the path to righteousness.